Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. I, I, I want to begin by asking you how your puppies are. Oh, so this, the reason I was a little bit late is because um, they've just had some GI issues for the last couple days. And the thing you want to rule out is Parvo. Parvo is a virus that puppies can get. And if they get it, it's very often lethal. Um, uh-huh. And they get really lethargic and they start throwing up and they start having diarrhea and they just die. Um, I had a puppy die of Parvo about almost 20 years ago. And it was so sad, mm. but the good news is that Adrian, my friend who is the breeder took the two who were the most kind of lethargic to the vet in their Parvo negative. So it could just be, um, weaning stress. You know, they aren't, they're weaning from the mom right now. Um, they're eating different foods. They could have drank dirty water. I mean, who knows, but, um, they could have drank, eat, eaten each other's poop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So the good news, the really good news is, is that it's not Parvo, but I was just over there giving all of them little oral medication for their tummy. So, um, but they're, they are so delightful. I mean, this has been like, whatever else is going on, you go hold a puppy and your blood pressure just drops. (laughs) And so they're just, they're wonderful. They're just so wonderful. So, yeah. As you know, I've been interested in uh, talking lately in ordinary life about awareness. Yeah. And um, I had this grand plan when I started, which I'm going to hopefully carry through with, but you know, when when you become aware, you open your heart to what's out there, right? Yeah. And what I wanted to go into is that one of the things that awareness brings to people is this incredible sense of wonder and joy. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. And yet when I open myself to what's going on in the world right now, I don't feel joyful. I feel really, I feel really, really pained by um, the, first of all, the mass shootings in our country. It's just, it's just so, um, there's been one every every day this year Mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. More than one. There's been 29, 29. In 25 days of January. Yeah. I, I, I get to spend a lot of my life, I'm so lucky, hanging mm. out with people who are so bright. And so yesterday I had, uh, and the day before, I had opportunities to sit with some really, some of the smartest people I know. And I asked each one of them, what can we do about this? And they all said that's hopeless. Hmm. 
That the gun issue is hopeless? The, the gun issue is hopeless. Yeah. It, we, we, I think it's going to take generations to undo. Well, we're psychotic as a country about guns. Yeah. We have a gun psychosis. Um, yeah. I had asked Casey Kelly, who comes to Ordinary Life, to design a yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. She, she did. Mm -hmm. I want to resurrect that with your help. Mm -hmm. uh, have you seen yeah. the design? I did see it a couple of years ago, right? And well, it's, I, it's, it has a, the praying hands holding a gun, mm -hmm. and under it it says mm -hmm. fundamentalism. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I want to add to the t-shirt, with your approval, the thing that says our true religion. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is, you said that awareness opens us up to joy and wonder. I think the tension is that awareness also opens us up to deep grief deep and grief pain. And, yeah. I, I, I'm just yeah. thinking that, um, yeah. you know, the, the divine mother, if you will let me personalize it, uh, it's sacred mm -hmm. that way. It's just got to be heartbroken. All her babies, yeah. all her babies are suffering in so many ways. And I'm not talking just about the gun violence. I'm talking about the people in Ukraine, the people in sub-Saharan Africa, the people who are dealing with incredible water damage and either because there's too much water or not enough water. We just are... Yeah we're on the edge of really cataclysmic danger and um, yeah you know what's happening in arizona about water is the future of part of the country we're running out of water yeah and california that's also a problem for especially southern california yeah it's yeah it's and, and i mean the first of all like the the craziness of saying we're running out of water not saying you're crazy, but that that's even like a thing because this planet replenishes all the time, right? And yet we have made ways for to trap that replenishment in, in ways that don't actually end up helping. You know, that's, I think this great dam project that spread across the United States during what it was at Hoover's administration. I can't remember because I'm thinking of the Hoover Dam, right? That sort of like first giant dam that was named for Hoover. But um, just, you know, I can see the the sort of thought behind it, but it's also disrupted the sort of natural flows. It's disrupted a lot of systems. Um, I don't know if that's the reason for the water loss, but it certainly is a contributing factor. And, you know, I I think in our sort of like overexcitement to understand this planet, we tried to dominate it and, and we can't dominate it. We didn't ever really learn how to work with it, how to be part of it. You know, we took it over. And I just, I'd be curious to sort of go back and go, what have we done that enhanced the planet's capacity and what have we done that disrupted the planet's capacity? We've done far more to disrupt than to enhance. Yeah. That's for sure. It certainly seems like it. Right. Yeah. And for those of yeah. you who are listening who have not discovered this, 
there is a, a documentary now airing on Netflix. I think the title of it is Happiness Something. Uh, if you Google it on Netflix, you can see that it features an interview between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, which is um, was first printed as a book called the, the Book of Joy. And both mm -hmm. of these men, of course, Tutu is now deceased, um, believed in the in, in in spite of the fact that they both have lived through horrendous social injustices. I mean, major <laughs> social injustices. They both maintain the stance of being so happy and lighthearted. And if you've not seen the film, I really mm -hmm. recommend just just to see the physical reaction between these two old guys who sit together holding hands oh. while they are talking about <laughs> Where they are and their, their their deep belief that if we educate people into an awareness of their true identity that that is the solution to our problems yeah so i'm looking at the video to see if i can find it so we can reference it on this um, podcast so joy finding happiness in troubled times yeah. Is that it? Yeah. That's what comes up. Yeah. It's, you know, you know, that book by Joanna Macy that we also both liked so much, um, Active Hope. Yeah. And it's a, it's along the same lines, right? Like we're going to hell in a handbasket. Now what? Well, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the building is burning. Now what? And that's the wisdom of Buddhism too. We live, having a body is like living in a house on fire. Now right. what? Um, and there is so much that's out of our control. There's so much that precedes your and my lifetime that we inherited as grievances, you know, that we it, like generations old and stuff that has not been transformed. And now we have this language around transformation that includes depth psychology, that includes systems works, that includes communal psychology and, um, you know, way of kind of understanding that. And I know some people who talk about a daily spiritual practice, but I haven't really tried that out yet. So I'm not sure if it works. <laughs> Holly, but it's a good thing that we're not physically in each other's presence because I would want to give you a physical ad admonition in the Zen tradition. <laughs> if I had a Zen stick, I would hit you over the head with it. Well, I have tried a daily spiritual practice, actually, and it, you know, it has offered tremendous lightness to my life. Sometimes it can just be like a fragmentary moment of a pathway switching in your brain. When I read a right. line of poetry that just opens up a different pathway, you know, uh -huh. and I, I think sometimes we're looking for that, like, aha, transformative moment that's sort of like, uh, uh, what what's the transformation of um, St. Teresa? That's that sculpture where she's basically getting abducted by God in this very mm -hmm. sensual, sexual way, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a sculpture. It's in Florence, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. I don't know the word that and, the word that comes to me is rapture, but that's been abused. Yeah, but it's 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 very often rapture is not like that. Right. Very often it's these little snippets of holding a 
squirming puppy in your arms Mm -hmm. or reading a line of poetry right yeah yeah i I think i think that 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 what i wanted to say uh is that when we open ourselves that we we send the the opportunity of seeing what a wondrous world we live in what a wondrous cosmos how wonderful things are but also when you open, as George, my first spiritual teacher said, when you open the front door in the morning, you get whatever's out there. And mm-hmm. you get, if the weather's rainy and cold and blustery, that's what you get. If the weather is beautiful and clear, that's what you get. And and so when I open my heart and my mind to see what's going on right now, some of the first things that happen is that I feel assaulted with this information about gun shootings and about the climate and about the war in Ukraine and let's send more yeah. tanks. And, and it's just, oh my, this is not the way that the world ought to be. There are wonderful things yeah. that are happening and um, in the midst of all this too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't, you know, joy, the pursuit of joy and wonder isn't about closing the door on pain and grief. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like find, being able to see it in spite of, you know, being able to experience. Well, I mean, I sit here with you and even though I'm on a screen with you and I, regardless of what we're talking about, I feel immense gratitude mm-hmm. about being in this space mm-hmm. with you, right? Mm-hmm. There's joy inside of even the most painful conversations that we've had. And that, again, you know, I just keep going back to that. I think that Jung had it sort of spot on. It's about holding the tension of opposites. When we open our hearts, we have to be open to everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And very often we want to bypass the hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's because one of the hard. things I, I haven't decided. I've been working on what I want to say on, on Sunday. But, you know, I, I think one of the things I want to say is that so much of the, the pain in the world is actually caused by people living with closed hearts. Mm-hmm. Whose awareness has not been opened. Right. Yes. Or look at what's going on mm-hmm. in the United Methodist Church. I mean, you know, people mm-hmm. want to close others out. They want to exclude mm-hmm. rather than to include and how much pain that that's causing. And, yeah. it, you know, all of that. Is something. Yeah. I'm planning a trip to Switzerland. And um, you look at me like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> well, you know, I told you I'm married to this woman who has a travel gene, and she said that she wants to go to Switzerland. And I said, okay. Anyway, I started thinking about ways that we could do that and uh, visit a friend of mine who lives in Bern. And um, I got to thinking about the last river trip that we took on a, on a Viking river cruise was in Russia. And thinking about, oh, my gosh, I wouldn't want to go there today. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a big wondrous world out there that you can still explore and enjoy. Yeah. 
still whale sharks you can swim with. You haven't shown us pictures of that yet. Did you take some? Did you get your picture? Well, I didn't. I did get a video. I didn't have an underwater camera on me, but one of our guides did. So I will show you. It was, and it's the exact guy I was swimming with. I literally think I could have kept swimming with him for days and then been like, oh, yeah, I have children. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, uh, can you show that in class on the first Sunday in February? I think so. I think I can. I have to maybe get the original video from our guide, but I have it on my on my phone. So we'll see what we can way. make of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, gosh, man. You know, there are also, so, you know, uh, William James wrote about peak experiences, these mm -hmm. kind of like spiritual moments that in some cases changed people's lives. Um in some cases didn't, but they still had this sort of peak experience. And I now I see that, you know, I, I had a lot of doubt reading William James, uh, the varieties of religious experience around that, because I thought that it was so individualistic. I thought that his take on it was very much, and they were all men that mm -hmm. he sort of studied or used case studies for. Um. But what I do understand about what he was trying to say is, is kind of what, what, what I just mentioned, which is rapture, that a peak experience can sustain you. You know, it becomes sort of like a, a, safe, a safe space, you know, in so many versions of therapy where you find your safe space when you're uh, triggered or you're anxious or you feel yourself panicking, that those peak experiences do actually sustain. I mean, kind of like holding the puppy in the moment. I said, your blood pressure drops by, you know, 20 points. Going back to that whale shark, it's just like my whole body can just feel like I'm in that water again when I really visualize it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I guess that, that the urging I would have is like, how do we transform those peak experiences into action in our lives? How do we bring that into our lives in both um, social justice ways, as well as just carrying that peace or equanimity into a difficult situation, mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Well, I, I, there's a, there's a parable in the Christian tradition that immediately sprang to my mind when you said that, and the, the parable some people take as a literal happening, but it's not. And it's mm -hmm. a parable that the early church created about um, Jesus and two of his disciples go up on this mountain. It's called the parable of transfiguration. Actually, it's called the mm -hmm. miracle of transfiguration, but it's a parable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to stress <laughs> that it's a parable. It's a story about there's this, this wonderful time that... Um, people had a peak experience and one of the disciples says oh i got this great idea let's build some let's build some places where we can stay up here and jesus said no we got to go back down the mountain and deal with the people who are hurting yeah and so i think yeah. the peak experiences have to serve as the nurture that mm -hmm. we need to do the work that has to be done and you know if you yeah. listen if you listen to um the Dalai Lama and the Desmond Tutu, 
one of the, there's this powerful scene in the documentary where Desmond Tutu is at a, in a church alone by himself praying or, mm -hmm. or meditating mm -hmm. or whatever he's doing. And then they have another powerful scene that shows the Dalai Lama's meditation room where, and, and, and they both are clear that what enabled them to do what they did was that they were grounded in this um, practice that allowed them to believe in the goodness and worth of all people so that they mm -hmm. could ex they could fight for that in Desmond Tutu's instance. Um, it, they also have some dramatic footage of his sermons speaking against mm. apartheid and i mean you know he was he risked his life to get out there and to say things that were really offensive to the south african government at the time yeah yeah and he yeah. won and then he orchestrated yeah he orchestrated well it's still in progress but he had a major shift he orchestrated the truth and reconciliation right. trials you know right. or helped to um, that's beautiful. You know, and so there's a book that Josh is, I think, listening to right now called Good Inside. And it's really for parents, <laughs> for us to remember that in our deepest worry and in our deepest anger with our children or wondering if we're raising sociopaths, that our kids are really good inside. Mm. And um, it is, he's been sort of telling me about it. I have not read it. But it's such a that's such a great way to distill it. Like, remember that your kid is good inside, you know, and almost everything that a child does is to get love or attention from the ones that they want love and attention from. And last night I was a little frustrated with my middle son. He's a bit of a tornado, like <laughs> giving too much away here, but you should see the back of his toilet seat. It's just like. Like he's just a tornado. And I was kind of like, get up, clean up the toilet, clean up, blah, blah, you know, it's being very momish. And he goes, sometimes when you're mad at me, I feel like you don't like me. Mm, that's a, and it was such a like, out, yeah. right. Yeah. You can't get mad at me. And I said, you know, I just, I, but immediately when a kid says something like that to you, you, you can't help but soften. You go, oh, that's not what I mean. You know, I had to think like you're good inside. Yeah. I still want you to clean your toilet, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it just, it was, it's interesting. Cause it, I, I get these reminders all the time. Like, you know, my kid just wants to feel loved. So I love you. Can you still clean your toilet? <laughs> so you know? several, several years ago, I had a client who told me that the primary message that they got from their parents was that they were, and this is what the parents explicitly said to them. They were mm -hmm. a pile of excrement covered with sugar. And Can we unpack that for a second. Like, ouch. You know where that yeah. came, you know where that came from? Uh-uh. John Calvin. Wow. Wow Oof. is right. I got that. I yeah. discovered that later that Calvin's belief about the total depravity of human beings was that we uh -huh. were no better than a pile of dung covered in sugar. That if you got the sugar off, our essence was that we were crap. 
That is the story of the Protestant Reformation that most yeah. white religionists in the Reformation, European and then um, American, British to American people got and communicated yeah. from one generation to another. Even in the yeah. original, in, in the original Amazing Grace hymn, Amazing oh, Grace yeah. that saved a wretch, a worm like me. All right, mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. I thought you were created in the image of God. Yeah, one of the one of the, yeah. one of the great stories that come out of the Buddhist tradition. The Dalai Lama years ago put together a, 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 a which still meets a society of East and West religious and psychological leaders, spiritual leaders to get together and talk about things. And in the very first one, he asked a question that they should discuss what the meeting. And the question was, uh, why do people suffer from what you in the West call low self-esteem? Or no, the question was, what's the major contributing factor for social unrest in your culture? And the answer was, hmm. people suffer from so low self-esteem. And the Dalai Lama could not understand that answer. And finally, he said through one of his interpreters, but don't you people believe you're created in the image of God? Mm. How mm. could you possibly have low self-esteem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can point to Augustine for that too, right? Augustine yeah. kind of really pioneered the original sin um, translation. And I, I think it was all about his like... <laughs> attraction to his mother that he couldn't deal with. But, um, <laughs> but I, you know, that really, that really created the church, the church, bad theology, I would say, right. The kind of love the sinner, hate the sin, the sh love the sugar part, but hate the yeah, good part. And, and, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then Anselm's misunderstanding of the Jewish ritual of sacrifice and putting that over yeah. on the death of Jesus saying, you're so bad. Jesus had to die for you. Otherwise, God right. is going to send you to hell. It's just uh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that theology is incredibly abusive, and I think there have been so many who have suffered that theology. Yep. So, and in, in, in open ourselves to what is, I think we have to open yeah. ourselves to the reality of that woundedness, as well as also the wonder of good inside. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you mentioned this quote last time. I'm going to try to find it really quickly. A quote um, by Carl Jung about how he, what he calls God. He says, um, all things which cross my willful path violently and recklessly, all things which upset my subjective views, plans, and intentions, and change the course of my life for better or for worse, that that's God. Thank you for reminding me of that. I wanted to use it and I forgot to write it down. I don't write things down, <laughs> I don't remember them sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wandered all <laughs> over the place. I think we had a straight line somewhere there in the middle. Right. <laughs> How do we create awareness and be able to hold all the things that create awareness? What so. we want to be open to is the experience of wonder. Yeah.
amazing. Yeah, I'm so grateful for you, and to you. and for you, as you yeah, like to say. I'm grateful for you, too. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> All righty. Have a good one.